Well, a new acronym entered popular use this week, and it's hard to tell if it'll ever catch on. It's JFECRA, the Gold and Foreign Exchange Contingency Reserve account. The biggest news in the budget this week is that government will access 100 billion rand from this account this year, 25 billion rand next year and 25 the year after to bring the national debt burden, which is sitting over 5 trillion rand, under better control. What exactly is this thing and how did it get to this size? Well, Professor Michael Sachs is a former deputy DG at the Treasury. He's Deputy Chair of the Finance and Fiscal Commission. Michael, please explain this to me, this Jafekra account. And uh, again, we've had lots of quite technical explanations this week. I'm hoping you're able to do it um, quite simply for us tonight. Jafekra, what is it? Let me try. Um, So, uh, many years ago, uh, South Africa bought uh, dollar assets and gold assets. And these are things that maintain stable value uh, for international payment. But of course, as the rand depreciates, the value of those assets increases in rand terms. They remain the same in dollar terms. Dollar is the stable currency here in a sense, and the rand is depreciating. So the rand value of those dollar assets increases. And this kind of creates uh, an accounting entry. This is accounted for on the Reserve Bank's uh, statement. And the question is, what do you do with this money? What is it and what do you do with the money? Because the RAND has been depreciating, I mean, I I think you'll remember, uh, we we can reminisce about 20 years ago, the value to the RAND to the dollar, but because it's been depreciating over this time, it's grown to an enormous value. And uh, almost 560 billion. And uh, this has raised increasing uh, flags. Uh, and in particular, I think global participants in global capital markets, investors in, in South African government debt, kind of picked this up uh, uh, year after year quite strongly. And it, it got very strong that actually South Africa doesn't need to accumulate liabilities, in other words, debt, as rapidly as it is doing because it has this large asset that can be liquidated. The question is, uh, and, and there's some, a lot of this is accounting smoke and mirrors. Yes. That uh, really arises from the fact that the South African Reserve Bank's balance sheet is not consolidated into the balance sheet of the whole of government. Uh, and so if it was, this would be pure and simple, the equity uh, that accrues to the, to the Reserve Bank. And when that equity uh, reaches a, a, a proper level, some of it would be distributed to the Treasury. Anyway, we have this, this, is, this is important, Michael. Um, I mean, this is money that ultimately, um, when there's enough of it, does get funneled into the fiscus, right? This is what government... It is, is the doing. Treasury's money. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it is. It's, it's not unusual. I mean, it's a big announcement, but it's not that unusual. It is a big number, but it's not unusual to have money flowing out of the Reserve Bank and into Treasury, Right. Well, uh, so I think uh, that in South Africa, it is quite unusual. As I said, uh, it's, it's complicated. In most countries, in almost all countries in the world, the balance sheet of the Reserve Bank would be part of the public sector balance sheet. And this thing would be the flows, the management of these amounts would be a very simple thing. But because the Reserve Bank is owned privately, it has this kind of separate balance sheet that accumulates these funds. And there was, there's never been a system in place 
uh, that said, what are you going to do with it? And so it really reached uh, such a huge level that uh, in July this year, the Reserve Bank and the Treasury started discussing it. And they've announced uh, in the budget a very elegant solution, uh, I think, which is that um, the, the, it's, it's like you can think of a pool full of rand that is, the, that is growing and expanding simply because it, it represents a, a dollar value. Uh, and as the rand sinks, the pool of rands is expanding and then it trickles over the edge of the pool. And the first, uh, and, and what they've said is that this is going to be a, a cascading set of waterfalls. So it first trickles over into a pool that there's going to be 250 billion rand that is there to protect us against uh, 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 the possibility that if there's a very strong rand appreciation, you will be left with a shortfall in this account. So 250 billion is set aside for that purpose. Then once that pool is filled and the water keeps trickling, it trickles over into a next pool, which is essentially a reserve bank equity pool. And it ensures that the reserve bank has sufficient equity on its books and it's, and it's able to pay uh, for the costs that arise when the water, once that equity pool is filled, and that's 100 billion, then it trickles over into the treasury's account. And because we're dealing with a very large amount now, more than 500 billion rand, this disbursement into the treasury account, we filled the first 250 billion account, we filled the 100 billion reserve bank account, and now there is um, another 150 billion left over for treasury. Okay. In future, as the rand depreciates, there will be um, disbursements on a regular basis of a much smaller amount. And uh, in a sense, we have uh, cushions. We have, well, we've used these financial arrangements to cushion uh, the treasury and the sovereign in a very good way, because this is the way it should work. When the rand depreciates, there's a cushion under the fiscus that is provided by this account. It explains, it's one of the reasons I suspect the Guptas were so easy to get control of the Treasury and no doubt the Reserve Bank because they saw this as money that was ripe for picking. It's why the many populists within politics want to nationalize the Reserve Bank even though it is an asset of Treasury, ultimately independent. And it is critical to this process that we do have a strong independent Reserve Bank Governor with very clear rules on how this resource is used because the temptation to dip in and dip in and double dip in again in the future must be quite strong if we don't get the growth of which there is no sign. There are a lot of issues there. I mean, first of all, uh, as I said at the outset, this really is an anomaly that arises from the fact that the Reserve Bank's balance sheet is separate, and that is because it's privately owned. So in most countries, the word Reserve Bank would be nationalized, and that shouldn't affect its uh, policy, policy autonomy. Um, also, I think that there's a question that arises here about are we dealing here with, or this is a question on the boundary of fiscal and monetary policy. And fiscal policy is the preserve in a democratic society of parliaments. Yeah. And uh, at the moment, we have elegant uh, financing solutions that are crafted and agreed uh, behind closed doors within Treasury and within the Reserve Bank that uh, there appears to be a reluctance to uh, legislate uh, and subject these, 
these decisions to kind of uh, popular oversight or, or parliamentary oversight. Uh, so I think there are a lot of questions to be raised there. Absolutely. Professor Michael Sachs, thank you very much indeed. Adjunct Prof at Wits University. Michael Sachs this evening, ex-Treasury Deputy Director General with a, I think, comprehensive explanation of Jafekra.